Hello, friends. This is your premium episode for the week. It's me, Will Meneker, with the original Dry Boys. Felix Biederman. Matthew Christman. <laughs> <laughs> but, most importantly, special guest sitting in with us this week, Katie Halper. Katie, what's up? Hi, what's up? Katie Halper, the person who booked us our first live gig. I know. Ever. I feel like I should be getting some royalties. <laughs> Intellectual, emotional ones. <laughs> you own Chapo and all our subsidiary mm-hmm. rights. But, um, yeah, Katie booked our, our first live appearance together as Chapo Trap House, which was awesome and will forever be in your debt, Katie. Yeah. Thanks. But more importantly than that, here's a fact that you may not know. Oh, I know what this is. Katie and myself are now La Familia. Yeah, we're What's engaged. Up? We're engaged yes. to be La Familia. Yes, me, uh, me and Katie are getting married. We are. No, no, our our, no, our cousins are getting married. So I don't know what exactly that makes us, but if this were the mob, you would basically you would be in. Right. That's totally. like that's what Christopher and Tony were. That was like basically their relationship. Yeah, definitely, You're, you guys are like marriage cousins, mm. and the best kind of cousins. That's I, like that's the Wonder Twins. That's uh, uh, cousin through blood. Whatever you don't pick, you don't pick them. They're just your shitty right. cousin that you see. They suck. You hate them. You're better than them. You and your siblings are the best part of the family. They're shit. They're bringing you down. But marriage cousins. Perfect. Marriage is thicker than blood. Yeah. I'm actually really close to my cousins because I'm an only child, but that's that's neither here nor that's there. That's weird. You shouldn't be. You should look at I them as competition. I shouldn't be an only child. Other cousins are just in your way. Like that's how oh, I've always been seen. Seen that. I'm actually really proud of one of my cousins because he uh, was featured in uh, a billboard uh, at Manitowoc County for uh, being a on the lamb criminal. Ooh, <laughs> wow. that's pretty cool, actually. That, that is pretty cool. Katie, when is the wedding, though? Is there a date set? I think so, but I can't remember because okay. it's an oppressive institution. I to, uh, <laughs> well, that's true. I do look recognize. forward to getting lit at, at the wedding, yeah. though. And, uh, you know, we're all going to give put our, our our cash envelopes in a big uh, pillowcase. <laughs> right. And again, we're going to go, Katie, this is Peta, this is Paul, this is Marie, this is Marie, Petey, Paulie. And the sister Marie. Even I forget. I get I get confused myself. Yeah, uh, yeah congratulations to our cousins. Thank, yeah, Jackie and Zach. Jacqueline and Zach, yeah. Uh, congratulations to them. Mazel tov. Everybody. Mazel tov. Sente'ane. Islancha. May the Schwartz be with you. <laughs> That's the uh, personal news to get out of the way. But And um, I'm pregnant with Will's child. <laughs> Again. Quiet. Get down, get down the uh, we have to go on a tour of a fire escape staircase after this. Uh, <laughs> unrelated uh, reasons. There's some topics uh, I want to get to, including uh, an article, Katie, that you just wrote. Going back to our old hobby horse of Bernie Sanders yes. and identity politics. Yes. Oh, baby, it's the issue that won't go away, and I'm almost sick of talking about it. But it's a necessary thing, and Katie, you wrote a good article. I'm sorry, but the man who is sick of marginalizing WOC is sick of life. That's true. Before we get there, though, I I do want to shout out at the beginning of the show some excellent, important work that's being done on Twitter right now by none other than Matt Chrisman. Matt is doing the Lord's work at the moment, and of course I'm talking about making the actor Paul Giamatti into a mega meme. Oh, yeah, I saw that. He deserves it, folks, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm not just saying that because I look almost exactly like a slightly younger version of him uh, and that his screen persona kind of, to me, feels like my soul being broadcast <laughs> onto the silver screen. Uh, but just because he's an incredibly versatile, uh, gorgeous man, and I was inspired by everybody's one like equals one unpopular opinion or picture of my meals or blah, blah, blah. To really give people online a gift, and that gift is one like equaling one picture of Paul Giamatti. Uh, I'm up to about 50. I have about 1,800 likes, (laughs) and I am fully intending to get one for every single like that I've received. Of course, the problem there is that people can sort of like it infinitely, and I'll end up being sort of a Zeno's paradox where I'm never able to reach the finish line. <laughs> well, Matt, but, what you, you will eventually what? have well, to Like start... with a lot of things, it's the journey, not the destination. <laughs> well, matters. I was going to say, Matt, what eventually you're going to have to start doing is just stalking Paul Giamatti and taking new photographs of him. <laughs> I'll do it. There. I'll do that. No problem. <laughs> and the other part of it is, is that I found these two great pictures of him uh, from in the Getty... Uh, in the Getty, you know, collection of him on a red carpet, and they're they're like 
taken at the same time, but there's different shots. One is of him looking very, very aloof and sort of suspicious, and one of him sort of smiling and engaging with the person he's talking to. And I've decided that that needs to also be its own meme. Uh, and you put those together, and you can do it in either direction. You can put the, the suspicious one first and then the smile or vice versa, and you can turn it into anything fun, like I've done a couple. It's, uh, yeah, it's all purpose to denote either uh, going from a state of pleasure to despair to the, the opposite. Exactly, or the opposite. It's, it's, you can use it either way. They're both good. Uh, it's fuck that Drake shit. That Drake shit is played out. Yes, yeah. the yes. Shit. <laughs> yes. No, the Giamatti meme. Like, yes. we need to go into 2017. Giamatti needs to become Harambe. He needs to become Drake. He needs to become like just all all the Lib Democrats should just get make gifts of Paul Giamatti smirking and just post that to react to like the latest drum atrocity. Um, this yep. is. This is also the only type of good identity politics. <laughs> Matt's identity politics between him and Paul Giamatti. <laughs> it's the only empowering kind of use of I, it. I, I am Giamatti-kin. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, also selfishly, Matt, I'm hoping that this takes off and the great man himself becomes aware of it and he will eventually come oh on the show God. to talk that to us the, about it. Uh, that is my most honest dream. We've already had alt-right Giamatti on, <laughs> and I would really love to complete it with the real thing. Paul Giamatti, if you're listening or if you're one of our celebrity fans who maybe knows him or has an email, hit us up. We would love to talk to Paul Giamatti about life, love, politics, everything. Everything that Giamatti himself encompasses in his many, many great performances. Agony and ecstasy and everything in between. Anime and ecstasy. (laughs) All of it. Katie, let's talk about your article in Paste Magazine that came out today. Like I said, we're back to talking about Bernie sorry, Sanders sorry. and identity politics. Sorry. But you, you, okay, so you wrote this article in Pace Magazine. It came out today. And basically what you do is you go to this quote that came out. Um, it was from November 20th uh, where he gave a talk and was asked by a young woman in the audience who asked him, quote, I want to be the second Latina senator in U.S. history. Any tips? And, you know, he had a response to her that I thought was very good and thoughtful, but the part of it that was immediately clipped by uh, all of uh, the the exact crowd that I I think we know would uh, latch on to it. Yeah. Was when he said, um, this is after like a, a, a... a long preface, he said, but it's not But it's not good enough to say, hey, I'm a Latina, vote for me. That's not good enough. I have to know whether the, that Latina is going to stand up with the working class of this country, is going to, going to take on the big money interests. And now I know, for instance, Rebecca Traister has used this as an example of like, well, this is what Bernie really thinks about you know young women or minorities who have aspirations of seeing themselves in power. This is sort of his flip dismissal of that. This is he thinks it's a flighty right. or sort of not serious a serious concern. Right. Katie, what, I don't know uh, Rebecca P- Traister uncharitably reading something. <laughs> I don't think that could have happened. Usually she's very uh, good at that. What's yeah. really weird is yeah. that I mean I talk about this in the piece when I quote her, but she says um, that. She, she's upset that Sanders, quote, was recommending that Democrats embrace the working class and ditch identity politics, according to one headline. She wrote that, right? Uh-huh. Then she says in the next sentence, in fact, the headline was overblown. Sanders did not say we should dump identity politics and affirmatively noted we should bring more and more women into the political process, blah, blah. But it's very weird that she quotes that headline at all. And the way she does it is a weird way where you can easily miss the clarifying sentence afterwards. And she doesn't, like, she's not really calling calling it out that much. This is what I mean. Like, it's exhausting to respond to these kind of, and, and you list the reactions. You list the reactions to this. And right. I want to talk to you about that, about, you know, how the media responded or like the, from the usual court, right. the usual suspects we all know. But Matt, you know, it, like, it's, exa- I think about something you said earlier or I forget when but you just said like can we find just any one of these like critiques of the left from this identity politics perspective that isn't completely mendacious I mean I don't know I've yet to come across it because either they're either I just don't understand them because they're bad writers or they're just like act like cynically 
being dishonest, basically. I don't know which one it is. I mean, this is why it's exhausting because I feel. Like I, I used don't... to think that they were that they were like in good faith. Some of these people, and I feel like Castro actually with like the dirtbag left and liberals. You know how. Like, it was actually the U.S. that forced Castro into the arms of the Soviet Union. Sounds familiar. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Castro wasn't really going to be as big of a communist originally as he wound up Neither being. Neither was Ho Chi Minh, by the way. So, yeah. because the U.S. has that nice effect on, on people when they, you know, what what was it, Albright? Senator Albright said something about reform versus revolution. If you, like, squash reform, you're going to have revolution, basically. I bring that up because I do feel like I used to be kind of this intermediary between the left and liberals and I could hang out with both. I was always a lefty. I was born and raised that way. But, you know, there are reasons to be in different coalitions. And I used to debate with people kind of in good faith on Twitter. And then I realized, like, there's very few people who actually I, I think that there are good people who support Clinton and they're honest people who support Clinton. But they are not people who trash Bernie Sanders. I've yet to meet one good Clintonite who feels the need to trash Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my litmus test. Yeah, I mean, because the only reason you would that someone would obsessively and currently still trash Sanders or the left wing of the party is because they're they're cultists. They do not believe the Democratic Party can fail. They believe it can only be failed. Or they're right. I mean, or they're pretty centrist, right? And they oppose his policies. And they literally, this was amazing. During the Democratic Platform Committee meetings, you literally had people who call themselves progressive complaining that he was making the platform more progressive, well, telling him to go home to back to Vermont, old man. Well, yeah, they've they've never <laughs> I mean, they've never had actual politics like they're yeah. just these these types of media liberals and uh, centrists. They're kind of like uh, they're like tofu. They're flavored by whatever anything that's around. Them. Actually, so. Felix, um, women's rights are human rights and yeah. human rights are women's rights. That's yeah. a really important politics. Another great thing that Madeleine Albright said uh you, the only way to advance uh, women's rights, you got to starve those uh, Iraqi children. Right, right. They Sanction. are standing Sanction in the, the way fuck out of, them, of yeah. those. Today's Iraqi children are tomorrow's dude bros. Totally. So you got to <laughs> nip that in right, the bud. Yeah. The reason it's so, um, so disingenuous also is because like I bring up that quote where Clinton says, if we broke up the banks with that end racism, and that like could not be more anti-intersectional, and she couldn't be pitting kind of social issues against economic ones any more strongly. And of course, there's the issue that there is a relationship because of the foreclosure stuff and who it affected. It's not an anti-racist thing that happened. And anyone who didn't say anything about her saying that, it was lit- it was like so cynical. It was like a call and response thing. She was like, well, breaking up the banks and racism? No. Will it end sexism? No. Will it end like the treatment of bad treatment of immigrants? As if Bernie Sanders had laid out a plan, like by breaking up the banks, we're going to end all these things. You know, that's yeah. how we end up. Once we return to the single provider platform, yeah. the women, they will be in the kitchen. Right, exactly. They will be yeah. back in the kitchen yeah. where they belong. But I mean, you can't have any, I, I can't respect you if you if you consider yourself and claim to be an identity politics like um, stalwart or someone who speaks to on this issue and you didn't say anything about that. If you claim to care about intersectionality and you didn't say anything about what Hillary said there, you, you're, I mean, you're either dishonest or very slow. And like, what's infuriating is that the people who are doing this in service of the, this diseased Democratic Party leadership, whether they're aware of it or not, but like, these people should realize that the, the current Democratic Party and the leadership of that party will abandon every single issue that you care about or think is important, be it race, the environment, right. gun control, etc., before they will abandon neoliberal economics. Right. right. And they, the most, I thought the most mind-numbing thing about that whole thing of will breaking up the banks and racism was that it implied that Hillary had this secret plan to end racism. It's right. like it's like Nixon it with it's, Vietnam. It's, she's going to go to Paris <laughs> to negotiate the end of she's racism. She's going to appear with Beyonce yeah. um, and uh, Jay-Z. But she also said something. So, okay, Bernie Sanders in this spiel said about seven times that identity politics were important, that there needs to be more representation, more diversity. He couldn't have said it. He basically said it as many times as he said, and yet we have to go beyond it. Hillary in her speech said, well, breaking up the banks and racism, and I'll do it if it proves that they are they prove a systemic risk. She's not even saying it's a problem, right? Like yeah. Sanders is saying this is a problem. The underrepresentation of people of color and women. We need more, we got about twenty female senators. We need about fifty more. Hillary is basically saying to apply the Hillarian like framing to this would have been like 
Now, nah, it's, it's not a look. If, if it turns out there's an underrepresentation problem, I'll look into it. Right. We should do something about it. Right. But the thing is, class. That's not that's not what she did. She just said like this stuff. Maybe there's a banking problem. Maybe it needs reform. And like the thing is, when he said like that, but. And I right. remember a lot of people saying, well, when you say but, what you say after that will negate. Yeah, I mean, which I, is which is a, a stupid, uh, that's like a dumb cliche. You think in cliches if, if that's what you come up with. But don't be <laughs> don't, gonna, <laughs> when he said it's not enough to just say, I'm a Latina, vote for me. I want to know whether you can stand up for the working class of this country, et cetera, et cetera. That even on itself is 100% right. And I'll tell you exactly why. Look at what's going on right now. If you yeah. really believe that, ben Carson, you should be Trump? happy that like Nikki Haley is exactly. going to be a UN rep. You right. should be happy about Ben Carson, ben Carson right. or Sheriff right. David Clark. Or I remember seeing all these memes totally. like, right after the Trump exactly. uh, transition team where they're like Peter Thiel, gay man, right. and like listing all right. these like right. you know sexual and relational minorities that are involved in the Trump administration. It's like, well, be happy for them. Well, and people, that's I had, good. I had Leslie Lee on my on my show. Oh, he's great, um, yeah, and he was talking about how he made the point. He's like, these people are disingenuous. I don't trust them at all. The ones who misinterpret Sanders on identity politics. And he said, but what happens is people who aren't disingenuous read the stories and the headlines and they, you know, they they assume that these people are being um, truthful. But he also made the point like Democrats get liberals get this when it comes to Republicans. They don't support Sarah Palin because she's a woman. They don't support Michelle Bachman because she's a woman. They understand that people aren't tokens. I mean, that's the irony is that basically all the people mad at Sanders are mad at him for like looking at people of color, at LGBTQ people, um, women immigrants, et cetera, as like real life people as opposed to tokens and caricatures who are always going to be woke and progressive. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he wants you to have policies just and, like every white. And what's interesting is that like at, at the highest kneeling. levels of, of politics, like in terms of representation right. at the presidential right. level, at those highest levels, represent they're, they're all tokens and representation matters far, far less than politics at right. that level. It matters more the lower you get. Right, sure. Kashama Sawant right. made that exact point to Rebecca Traister right. in a Democracy Now! debate that they had. We should, we should link to that. It's actually sure. very interesting. Yeah. But um, And he's not even making the point that a lot of people we know make, which is that it's like it's cynical and devious and it's a way to co-opt identity politics and weaponize them in a way to kind of to stifle critiques of neoliberalism. He's not even saying that. Maybe he, pro he probably agrees with that behind closed doors, but he's not saying that. All he's saying is that this stuff is important and so is policy. Like, that's all he's saying. And I like the idea, I was thinking of this, because he says we have to, the big, con the big question of the future of the Democratic Party is whether we go beyond identity politics, which was translated by TPM into ditching identity politics. And I was thinking, like, it would be funny if someone was like, how do I get to that to that monument? And you're like, oh, it's, that's easy. You just you just walk a couple blocks and then you ditch the church on your right <laughs> and then you make a, make another right. And then Sanders urges supporters dine and dash on identity <laughs> yeah. politics. Yeah. And that that was the TPM uh, thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Put, that, put to, some doo-doo in the bag, <laughs> ring the doorbell for identity <laughs> politics and run away. It's just so crazy. I don't know what they want from him. I mean, he literally said it multiple times that it's important. It's the philosophy concept. It's not that deep of being um, necessary but insufficient. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they. Well, it's a, he. Yeah, but he. It's he's the reason she lost. Yeah, they're never gonna give him a break. <laughs> well, right. they, they, they in their minds, Hillary. It couldn't be Hillary's fault. It's gotta right. be somebody else's. Right. Uh, and the, therefore, he is the one who did it because he, he put doubts in people's minds about her. Didn't you know, he do the her? The fact that she's has 30 years in politics and is, was already one of the right. most divisive and least trusted Unpopular, characters right. in American political history when she declared. That doesn't... The fact that he... And, and he was so nice about it. He I know. Yeah. He ran across the but country so, for her. Also so, but it was enough. Her. It was enough. He's, he stood in her path and he, he soiled her Diana. with the youngs. And then they didn't come out for her. It had nothing to do with the absolutely contentless uh just smug useless campaign that incompetent campaign that they ran entitled but no, yeah. so they'll never let him go well you know uh, they're always going to hate him forever and that's why his best the best thing he can do now because you know he's obviously the path forward is going to involve finding you know people to sort of take up his mantle because he's right. not going to be able to right. persist as some sort of leader for anything like a the time frame we need what he can do best is just troll the shit out of these people. Right. That if you say but negate it, like that's 
literally true of any time anything happened and Hillary would have to make a statement right. about it. She would do the both sides right. to do it every single okay. fucking time. I think she got you, you know, and the idea versus Mara. The, the idea that it was she was running an anti-bigotry campaign and that she didn't put fucking Leon Panetta and Michael Bloomberg on stage at her convention. Like, what was... I would defy anyone to tell me what her actual anti-bigotry policies you know were what? besides, like, just fucking moving her head like an uncanny robotic <laughs> owl. Oh, well, I know, man. Now, Trump was mean to that... Uh, the, the the lady... The one lady from the from the... The lady who tried to murder her boyfriend. Wait, Hope but Solo? She decided... Um, Machado. Yeah. Oh, oh, Alicia Machado. Oh, Alicia Christ. Machado. Yeah. No, the best thing about he was Alicia. Mean to that one lady. No, but the be- he called her Miss Piggy. But the best thing about that was that all these woke Trump supporters got on Twitter and tried to shit on Alicia Machado because she had played a character and worn a fat suit. And they were like, oh, Alicia Machado saying that Trump called her Miss Piggy, but she body shamed people on on like this Univision or like on this telenovela. Like all these right wing reactionary racist bigots were calling her she out for body shaming. She dressed up like shaming. a giant bumblebee and said, yeah. I corrupt. Yeah. She appropriate. They, they're, they're becoming woke now. Alicia Machado appropriated their culture as enormous obese people and shamed them. Well, also, Anna Kasparian called Alex Jones a fat fuck. And someone, <laughs> and when he crashed the stage, and the, the Young Turks thing, right? At the DNC, was it the DNC or the RNC? The uh, DNC, uh, uh, RNC. RNC, yeah. RNC. She, it was in a moment of passion. She called him a fat fuck. And then someone online was like, uh, 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 Anna Kasparian body shaming and fat shaming Alex Jones. I love it because they're woke Trump people, and Trump it. himself is woke. Well, that's, well that, I mean, that's the point, though. Is like it, it reveals it's the weakness enough. of all of this. The fact that it's not enough is that anyone can pick exactly. it up and use it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like whereas, like, I'm not, and I'm, this is not to say identity politics is insubstantial or flighty or unnecessary. Or unnecessary. Yeah. That's completely not true. But. Absent the one right. weapon that right. the other side actually can't right. pick up and hit you with, it, it's it's in, exactly. it's ineffective. It's not enough. I was and thinking, it can be turned. It can, like I said, it can be it, can, it will be turned against you all the time, as we're seeing now. And maybe that's a good way to segue into this the Keith Ellison thing. Yeah, I think that's another example of how he's. Do you think that this boy. is kind of a, a a cynical use of identity politics? The fact that um, the you know, ADL has managed to, they're absolutely sure that he's an anti-Semite because of his associations with the Nation of Islam like 20 years ago. But we should be careful about calling anyone in Trump's cabinet of like actual Nazi ghouls <laughs> who are like, you know. He, well, Alan Dershowitz oh God. was on, who was he on? Who, uh, Dude, Steve Bannon has gotten most of his money from Seinfeld. Yeah. How, right. could, he, how could he be Steve an Bannon, anti-Semite? Steve Bannon loves Jews. Like Steve Bannon, he just doesn't want his kids to go to school with them because we're too smart, and he yeah, knows exactly. that they'll fail Ex- because exactly. of the curve. Exactly, he right? doesn't. He doesn't want his children to compete against Jewish children. Exactly, like he's, that's a losing battle. Yeah, it is. It's a losing battle, and also he doesn't want to pit whites against Jews. That's just rude, <laughs> and it's rude. racist to right. do. Steve Bannon's coke dealer is Jewish. <laughs> the guy who sucks fluid out of his neck every month, <laughs> that doctor is Jewish. Uh, yeah, his the guy, the guy who gives him morphine enemas. Is uh, Iranian, half, Jew, half Jewish, half Jewish. He's half a Persian Iranian. Jew. He's Persian a Persian yeah. Jew. Yeah. There is this very surreal moment where, like, actual white nationalist, hardcore anti-Semitic politics openly. See, I'm going being... to stop you right there. I don't know if they're anti-Semitic or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a Nazi this, yeah. salute. Uh, it, it's open to interpretation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Richard Spencer. Exactly. Back to this asshole. But, I, don't but, like but, to, like, I don't like to pigeonhole people. But, Labels are for jars. I mean, but it's like it doesn't. Okay, like the ADL has fucked more old Jews out of money than fucking Bernie Madoff ever could. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it's like it's like actually, who cares if they think Steve Bannon's anti-Semitic? Because it's like, okay, then what? Like, holy shit, the ADL sure. released. No, a it just shows. Yeah. Their but I think people are mad. No, I know, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. They're total hypocrites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's also it shows it shows the limits of their of what the ADL can actually do. It's like, okay, you called people anti-Semitic right. for thirty fucking years. Right. It had. It would no relate like probably eighty percent of the time it had no relation to what they actually said or right. did, and. 
okay, your only function is your only ability is to call people out. That yeah. doesn't work. That doesn't stop something from existing. And like Nazis, yeah. Nazis are proud of how much they like to they can shock liberals right, and make yeah. them feel uncomfortable. Like a because it's like you should like it is funny. Well, I guess unfortunately the problem is is that as we talked about with T in that show recently is that liberals uh, are the only people who actually move on these stupid call out uh, moments. Right, they're so the only Keith people. Ellison right. might actually yeah. suffer consequences of this stuff, whereas Steve Bannon, even if the ADL were calling him rightfully right. an anti semite, probably he would have he wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't I mean, give the a nice shit. thing and I don't is that like he, the, I like if I was Steve, I wouldn't give a shit either. It was right. like, okay, I'm a Nazi. Now right. what? What are you going to do? I know. I love when people call out people for being problematic. Um, or patriarchal or heteronormative. Like, these people don't want you to say they're not heteronormative. Like, what only works on nominally yeah. our own team. Right, exactly. And yeah. so that's yeah. why it's, that's why anyone cares Yo. about what the, AD, the ADL is saying. It's like Halo. Okay, you know when you. Um, I was about to say that. Okay. You Hit know how like when you get the covenant. Song? Oh, I thought you meant the, the Beyonce song. No, not the Sorry. Beyonce song, an actual piece of art. <laughs> <laughs> Video game Halo. When you pick up the Covenant's guns and you try to use them on the Covenant, they're not as powerful as the UNSC bullets. Because yeah. you have this. So I hated seven, I fucking hated the Covenant they're weapons. They're shit, dude. They fucking suck. And using the co- the worst covenant weapon is probably the needler or the plasma pistol. The needler yep. sucks. Yep. That's like the needler and the plasma pistol. The plasma like pistol you, you can charge it up and get it rid of the shield. Sucks, though. It still sucks though. The rifle sucks. was well, okay. The right the, uh, no, the rifle sucks too. There's a, it's the least shitty one, but it's like that using those on uh, Nazis is like using liberal call out culture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a great documentary called Defamation that's all about the ADL, and it's this Israeli guy who went to, to look at, make a documentary about them, and because he's Israeli, they just assumed that he was going to be Mishbucha, you know, family and on their side. And, and he just shows how ridiculous they are. And they do reports on like a cop. They're like, oh, we heard this cop uh, was leaving a funeral, and he was like, uh, I'll come. I'm I'm getting off work at, right after this, uh, right after the Jew thing I'm at because it was a Jewish <laughs> funeral, and they were like really, you know, that was a call for action for the ADL. But also, Abe Foxman like came out and said about like these new these released back in uh, 2010. There were these released comments, released tapes from Richard Nixon where he was super anti-Semitic. And his big takeaway, no. Abe Foxman, I know. He called, you know, he thought Rehnquist was a Jew. And he's like, what's the name of that Jew? Rehnchberg? <laughs> what's the name of him? He's wearing those goofy shirts. He is gay, though. I mean, and there's a there's a Jewish or gay thing. But Rehnquist was definitely gay. And he wore, like, hush puppies and pink shirts. And even, you know, he had bars. He had three gold bands added to his 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 robe because of this character from Iolanth, which is a Gilbert and Sullivan musical. And there's a fairy, a fairy minister character, a fairy president. He had them <laughs> added. And then he also always wore a scarf, which I call he had a tracheotomy, so I think it was like a trache trachea scarf or something. But yeah, he he uh he called him Wrenchberg. And uh, it was kind of amazing. Anyway, uh, Abe Foxman's big takeaway from this, from these released t- tapes, was that um, Nixon was a bigot, but he was a supporter of Israel. So yeah, that that is right. the only litmus test that right. they care about we in terms should. of what who. Right. Because I mean, like they've made their bed with like the most insane right. Christian reactionaries in this country over the issue of Israel. They've absolved them of any of their noxious or uh, bigotries, especially towards Jewish people. Right. Um, so yeah, and basically and it, everything they say is completely fraudulent. I mean, I mean, Zionism has no problem coexisting with Nazism. For people who don't know, one of the terrorist groups that was present during the founding of Israel, the Stern Gang, uh, openly collaborated with right. the Third Reich. Uh, Menachem Begin, who is not in the Stern Gang, he was in the Irgun. Yep. He was so mad at the British for hanging his friend who was in the Stern Gang that he airlifted weapons to Argentina during the uh, Falklands War. No. But it, got, it only <laughs> didn't get there till two weeks after the war ended. So. This, this, these were the tapes, by the way, when Kissinger was like, they put Jews into gas chambers in the Soviet Union. It's not an American concern. He's like, I'm a Jew. That doesn't give me any solidarity with Jews. And no, he, he's, yeah, he's in his power. He was like Bernie. He's an he internationalist. Like Bernie. <laughs> yeah, Bernie, he's an intersectionalist. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, um, I, I will give my voters a list of all the Jews in the State Department. Yeah, yeah. One list, I got them right here. I got a list right here. I got a list for you. Can we talk about safety pin box? And but someone... Keith Ellison's great. Let's yeah, just say yeah. Keith Ellison's great. He's the future of the Democratic I mean, Party, or else it'll yeah. be destroyed. Someone, someone showed me... Um, 
some of the sample tasks that were being offered at $100 a month by Safety Pin Box. Should we even preface what Safety Pin Box is? Yes. Safety Pin Box is another uh, hot topic this week. Uh, It was launched by uh, two, uh, I'm going to say Black Lives Matter activists, but even that's probably a stretch. And basically what it is, is that they're offering, uh, basically for $100 a month, it says here, it's a monthly subscription box for white people striving to be allies in the fight for black liberation. Box memberships are a way not only to financially support black femme freedom fighters, but also complete measurable tasks in the fight against white supremacy. And you subscribe for $100 a month, and basically what you get is uh, homework assignments. And someone showed me what one of the sample homework assignments was, and it involved keeping a journal of what they refer to as power mapping. And power mapping is you're supposed to, like, whenever you're in a room or in a social setting, be it work or in your personal life, you're supposed to sort of, like, analyze who has the most power in the room. Yeah, it's $100 a month, and you basically get homework assignments. That's what you're paying for. Now, I want to be clear here. Uh, This has gotten, you know, it's very controversial. People are, you know, accusing us of, like, you know, slandering black activists or saying that they don't need money. I want to be 100% clear. I'm in no way making fun of the people who founded Safety Pin Box. I'm making fun of any... Any of the fucking marks who are going to pay them money, and if they do get a lot yeah, of money the out of this, consumers, not the one hundred percent for it, they deserve it. Yeah, I think it's look. I think one of the funniest things you can do is like scam stupid liberals out of money. It's really funny to do. It's if they're making like, money doing this, and they're and they're putting their money towards you know their livelihoods and activism, I'm one hundred percent for it. However. Some, someone said, well, what's the difference between what they're doing and what you're doing, referring to Chapo? And I said, not much, except they're 20 times more expensive. <laughs> that would be the main difference between them and us. I, I want to make actually my uh, identity politics spiel right now. I've been trying to think of a way to do this on the show, but now that I have my platform, I'm going to say this. So we've been talking about on this episode... Uh, liberals and other people who use this identity, you already know the arguments that they're going to pull out. And they're invoked in either a dumb or in a completely cynical way. And I just like to say, if you find someone online who's doing that about us, about the show, that you find uh, stupid or dishonest or just um, offensive in any way, and you are like me, a heterosexual white man sitting atop a mountain of unearned privilege. And cis. I would just say the best thing you can do is use their own logic, remain silent, just no comment, stand back, and let our uh, female and POC yes. fans of the show absolutely shred these motherfuckers. Totally. It's more effective, and our uh, our lady fans in particular, I will say, are not, not even Loki, are just outright the, totally most, vicious. the most savage. Yeah. They're, they're so just, fucking awesome. So just enjoy. In, enjoy when it happens. You don't even need to amplify voices. You just need to watch and laugh. I, I think I want to I want to dip back into our reading series. Is that cool with you guys? I've been waiting for this one. Okay, <laughs> I want to do this because I want to I want to go back to a, a fan favorite character in the reading series. Uh, we've gotten a lot of new subscriptions after the election. I know a lot of people are like going back through the whole catalog. Some of you maybe are not familiar with this, but I'm returning now in the Chapo reading series to the Caleb Jacoby saga. 
This is a fan favorite. It may be my favorite reading series. I just want to tell it's up there. I just want to tell any new listeners and new subscribers that the original uh, part one of the Caleb saga uh, is, I believe, episode forty-nine. It's episode forty-nine. It's simply titled Caleb, and uh, it might be the best thing we've ever done. So <laughs> listen to it for that reason alone. But that's where you'll find. We that, need. Yeah, we need to talk about Caleb just to briefly recap. Caleb is the uh, teenage fail son of Boston Globe columnist Jeff Jacoby, who he, for many years, wrote an annual column in the form of an open letter to his son, Caleb. They're all archived. They are extraordinary. They all rule. All of them are (laughs) fucking great. So I want to dip back in now to the Caleb saga. And I have two two of these letters that I want to read now on the show. You guys ready? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. The first one is entitled Letter to a Mensch in Training. (laughs) Um, It begins, My beloved Caleb, there was an awful story in the paper a few days ago. (laughs) It's an awful, terrible story. A 16-year-old Brighton High School student, it began, has been charged with slashing a 14-year-old girl's face with a razor blade in Dorchester Park, leaving a gash that required more than 100 stitches to close. The story was on the front page of the Metro section, along with a large photograph of the 14-year-old. Her face is now disfigured by an angry red scar stretching from her forehead to her lip. She said she and some of her friends had been challenged to a fight by another group of girls and had been told that if they didn't show up, the other girls would find them and beat them on the street. I made a point of showing you that story so we could talk about it. (laughs) Such violence and intimidation are far removed from anything you've ever experienced, Caleb. But but you're no longer too young to know that many other children are not so fortunate, including some in your own backyard. When we talked about that news story, I told you that safety is one of the reasons Mama and I send you to the Hebrew Academy. Instead of public school, you've never seen a fist fight, <laughs> never mind a gang brawl with razor blades. When you first read the story, you weren't even sure what a razor blade was. Oh my god! <laughs> this is so good. Here's the kick. So he describes this like you know uh, violent uh, razor slashing in uh, some shitty neighborhood in Boston, and he said, "I wanted to talk to you about this, Caleb, and discuss this news article with you." Here's the kicker. He says, "Now, as a nine-year-old." You've got- <laughs> Well, is this after um, the the terrible phase that we talked about? I believe this is pre pre his bad mouthing yeah. uh, phase. This is his yo, sass talk. Yo, holy no, shit! This said, had the opposite effect. It had the opposite effect because he wanted to scare Caleb straight, but by like opening him up to the big scary world, Caleb's like, I want to I want to see a fist fight. I want to mm. see a knife fight. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Times Square and see it all go down. Yo, he yeah, fucked Caleb him. up. There's one more. There's one more section from this article I want to read. So he says, uh, like, uh, you know, blah blah blah. The most your p- parents and teachers can help you do is equip you to make the right choice. So we work at it, always keeping an eye out to reinforce the better angels of your nature. Again, he's fucking nine years old. Yeah. When you brought home your report card in December, I wasn't thrilled with the grades you had gotten in behavior, self-control, and respect for your teachers and peers. (laughs) Which is why I offered you an incentive. If on your next report card, all your behavior marks went up, you would be rewarded with one of the iSpy you like so much. (laughs) There's a link on iSpy. Is this... iSpy is a book of picture riddles. Okay. (laughs) Train emoji, baby. (laughs) Chew, chew, bitch. <laughs> Hell yeah. Three. It said three weeks ago, your second report card came home. And what do you know? Your conduct and character had improved across the board. Way to go. Good work, Caleb. Good work, Caleb. Do you remember the uh, just the dread? Or at least, I don't know. Maybe I'm unique in this regard. But the dread you had of the report card coming home and that you just having your parents see it and having you know to explain yourself. And then imagine knowing not only will that happen, but it will then be published for the entire, at least the entire city of Boston to read <laughs> and in a national paper after that. Uh, it sounds horrifying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Jovkovich just making sure we're running through a spell check about your, uh, your column about your pussy son who had bad <laughs> behavior. Uh, yeah, before everyone in America reads it, all right, we're sending it out. Okay, so that, that, that was the first one. I think that, that's sort of a preface to, to, to this one, which is really good. It's called uh, Testing the Sales is the name of this letter. It begins as they all do. 
my beloved Caleb. <laughs> Not long ago, I stumbled upon a document you created on your computer. It was oh, titled. No. <laughs> oh. oh no! Oh boy! It oh, was. <laughs> oh no! Oh boy! It was titled "Rules and Suggestions for Stealing Candy." <laughs> I didn't know what it was going to be, but I didn't know it was going to be that good. That is the best thing it could have been. This is the best it could have been. And sure, and sure enough, it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. Sure enough, what followed was a series of pointers on how to filch sweets and get away with it. <laughs> this is real. Katie, this is real. This is real. <laughs> Rule number it's four. The ten crackle commandment. <laughs> <laughs> Rule, <laughs> Rule number four. Rule number four, for example, advised clean up after yourself. Don't leave a big mess or others will know that you took something. <laughs> Remember to close doors, cupboards, drawers, and containers. <laughs> <laughs> but Caleb okay so this is a, this is a 2000 uh, Caleb is now 11 yeah. I believe oh my god it was certainly a brazen piece of writing it was also I couldn't help noticing well organized and carefully spelled chat <laughs> <laughs> to your credit, you didn't deny authorship when I confronted you with it. Unfortunately, you didn't seem to be the least bit remorseful. <laughs> Caleb's fucking, he's from the streets. Yo, dude, this is like the end of Dead Presidents. For your crimes, Caleb, of stealing candy, which are violent in nature and conciliatory and deceptive, you show no remorse. I'm sending you to. 10, 10 minutes in your room and then like Lorenz Tate in Dead Presidents he throws the chair and his dad goes all this shit I did for this motherfucking household man fuck you and then Isaac Hayes walks on, walk on by plays as Caleb gets on the bus to Times Square yep. to steal more candy G gird yourself gentlemen and lady uh, your penchant for stealing or pinching treats is not exactly a news flash. You've been caught at it more than a few times. <laughs> Most recently, when I came across a full-size box of Fruit Loops stashed under the covers in your bed. <laughs> Ma <laughs> Mama was aghast when I showed it to her. By now, she's decided you're well on your way to a criminal career. Again, sorry, not to be like the most stereotypical Jewish yeah, mother right. in the world, but this is fucking ridiculous. He's going to be fucking good. <laughs> kid, this kid's eleven, and they're finding like Fruit Loops under his bed. Imagine if they found like a penthouse or something yeah. like that. Well, that's what I thought you were gonna say when you said yeah. a document on the computer. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, like any fucking normal eleven-year-old. <laughs> Yeah. Why didn't he it's write a... out instructions for himself? <laughs> she said, she's, okay. It's like the midrash. It's like commentary, uh, third person, you know, rabbinical tradition. Uh, but I can recall similar sins: sneaking down to the basement freezer, for example, spoon in hand to gorge on ice cream when no one was looking. Uh, oh, it's the spoon, the spoon yeah. theme. Or pilfering chocolates from the food locker and refusing to fess up, even though it meant letting suspicion fall in my siblings. What's a what is, food what locker? What's a food locker? What I know. Food it's like, food it's, that's like a foot locker. The sins of the father have been put down to Yeah, the exactly. Son. It's true. They have like 50 refrigerators in this asshole's house, and they're like, Caleb, for some reason, you're obsessed with food. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he lives in a you, freezer. Caleb, I caught you in the 11th freezer. Why are no, you so obsessed with treats? Not in the freezer, in the food locker. You fat little asshole. In the food locker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I have to read this entire I have to read this entire one. I, it's get, get, make me really hungry, though. I'm not going to I really want chocolate. I want to read particular. the document. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Save to folder. Caleb underscore food underscore theft dot XLS. These are, these are actually the top secret doc documents that uh, Eric and Ivanka and Donald Trump Jr. have access right. to now are the Pentagon candy Oh, um, If Podesta files. got his hands on this, yeah. this would be like pedophilia. He would have been able to get more kids to go into his van. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you can't let him see it. There's now actual like spit on my computer screen from reading this. Oh but, my uh, God. What okay. does the Jewish pedophile say? Really quick. What does the Jewish pedophile say? 
It's related. Don't worry. It's related. Ooh, kid. Easy on that candy. That's the one my mom told no, me. No, no, no. What did you? That's funny. It's another. No. Yeah. What did Jewish pedophile say? Hey, kid, you want to buy some candy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. He continues. Nowadays, it's what comes out of your mouth, not what goes into it, that is more likely to get you in trouble. Uh oh! Does wow. he have a case of verbal diarrhea? <laughs> wow. At times, you seem to go out of your way to give offense, spouting ill-mannered comments or mocking jibes that you know quite well are going to provoke a backlash. As a tween, quote unquote, I could be like that too. Time and again, I would pop off, pushing my pop teacher's off. buttons with obnoxious remarks or inappropriate wisecracks, frequently getting kicked out of a class as a consequence. I wasn't nearly so insolent at home where my parents believed in corporal punishment and lived up to that belief. With you, it's right. the other way around. The backtalk and insubordination you save up for your parents while at school, your teachers sing your praises and tell us how courteous, mature, and pleasant you are. Dude, I'm he's like so that. pissed I would kind of like kid. that. Yo, he lie. fucking he hates <laughs> his kid. Yo, imagine if you're this asshole's editor. And you're like, uh, uh, are you sure you want to run this? This, uh, this is 500 words about what an obnoxious little fat treat monger your son is. Are you sure? <laughs> like, this is a national column, Jeff. This entire article is basically an invitation for all of his classmates to stuff his locker with fucking donuts and like pelt him with fucking no no you know as he walks down the street this is exactly like fucking uh gomer pile and full metal jacket yeah. when he finds it the is. jelly donut in his locker yeah, yes, no he is. had a foot locker that Holy was his foot locker and he what, goes yeah. you eat it they're paying for it <laughs> remember it's just a bad dream bad boy Ow. This guy has major Ow. food issues. So, yeah, that his kids is obviously inheriting. Well, oh, uh, yeah. Jeff Jacoby is a chubby motherfucker. Yeah, he's a, a big full, fi full figured. I mean, Jeff prefer. Jeff um, is upset that he has to now he has to buy treats for two. He has right. to account for Caleb's <laughs> so, sorry. thieving. Jeff writes, "I'm quite willing to live with your occasional pick and petulance if it means the rest of the world sees you at your best." I can't say I enjoy our tug of wars, but I understand them. That sounds enabling. With the approach of adolescence, you sometimes find yourself feeling irritable and resentful, aggrieved by perceived indignities, beset by fools and charlatans whose only skill seems to be to get in your way or on your nerves. Caleb Be hates charlatans. <laughs> yeah, Let's dude. Be <laughs> Believe it or not, I've been there too. And if you think your parents excel at finding ways to annoy you now, just wait until you're 14 or 15. We'll be really good at it then. What happened to him dude, as a 14 year old? Like, he's so a weird. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so I'm oddly specific. Uh, too. There's the, the Caleb, you're 14 and a half. Ca Caleb in his bedroom, and uh, Jeff comes in and asks, like, "Where did you with the document print? Where did yeah. you learn yeah. to do this?" He goes, yeah. "I learned it from you." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. Talking food all day. Yeah, yeah. Like Jeff. Yeah, probably Jeff's yeah. first columns for the Boston Globe were like how uh, an adult's guide to finding treats in the office. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like, that's what created his star. He won a Pulitzer Prize for his my, columns. Well, my dream now is that Caleb is going to grow up and write a tell-all memoir called My Asshole Father. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Jeff is a fucking tyrant. I hate him. When you, hate okay. him. When we, you should were, say, we should kidnap Caleb. Yeah. We'll lure him with candy. Um, when you were a baby, I loved watching you sleep. Sometimes I would stroke your tiny hand as you lay in your crib and you would instinctively wrap your fingers around one of mine clinging to me even in your sleep thinking it was a lolly <laughs> <laughs> could you sense somehow that I was a safe harbor a snug refuge from the world's storms and stresses mama and I have tried to be that that haven to furnish you with the physical emotional and spiritual resources you will need on your journey through life but harbors aren't only places of sanctuary and shelter. They're also stable places you push back from when it's time to head out into the world. You're 11 now, growing steadily more independent and beginning to test your sails. Increasingly, you push back instead of clinging, insisting on your way instead of mine. The day will eventually come when you're ready to head off on your own. Wherever the voyage takes you, Caleb, will always be your home port. All my love, <laughs> Papa. I think Caleb's his inner child and doesn't you actually You fat piece exist. of shit! <laughs> <laughs> what if he's not a real person? That is just an intriguing yo, 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 that's Fight Club. This is Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, Jeff wakes up in he the middle of the night with no memory. Oh my God, no he's memory. the one sneaking treats. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's what saying. He's, he's, his, exactly. he's, his, he's his chubby inner child he's and he's talking like, to I mean, himself. There are, like, there are photos of Caleb Jacoby out there. He has a SoundCloud page. 
<laughs> Caleb, I gotta say, is sort of like a lanky. Right. Like, he's he's like, jealous. The he's dad's skinny. Totally like, Caleb jealous. is not a chubby kid at right. all. Right. Jeff, Jeff is jealous. Jeff's a fat fuck, dude. Yeah, Jeff is jealous. <laughs> yeah. I, but he could also be picking up a model kid, like a fake kid, to play his son yeah. if we think it is a, his oh inner child God. to whom he's speaking, which makes more sense because who talks to an 11 year old like that? No, dude, this is clearly Man, Fight Club. <laughs> this is the sequel to Fight Club. And uh, like at the end of the movie, uh, the pixies. Je- yeah, well, Jeff as Caleb set up bombs right. in the Hershey's and Where Mars bombs. Where are my treats? Where is my treats? Where's my mounds? Right. Where are my mounds? <laughs> right, he's in. Uh, he's in the building watching it with Helena Bonham Carter, and he's like, you know, after he pops himself in the mouth, and he's like, you caught me at a weird time in my life. When I was turning 12, which is a pivotal time in a boy's life. Although not like 14 and 15 when you really act out. Yeah, when I'm really going to punish myself. But yeah, no, it's, yeah, where is my treats at the end? Again, spoiler alert, if you go back to episode 49, the punchline to all of this is that uh, Caleb Jacoby ran away from home when he was 14 or 15 and was missing and was found in Times Square like three days later. And more power to him because M&M store, I guarantee you. Yes, M&M store. (laughs) That's the ultimate... That's how they found him, the trail of M&M's. Yeah, that is so Freudian. He left home to live amongst candy. <laughs> That's amazing. I'd rather live free amongst candy. Dude, as, uh, a, as a goodwill thing, we should use one month of the show's Patreon to let to pay for Caleb to rent a room in the M&M store. Well, just let him, year. like, remember in, like, those those things on, like, MTV or Nickelodeon where you get to go into oh, the store and buy as much yeah, toys yeah, and yeah, yeah. Just, just raise, you know, $1,000. Yeah, $1, we should give him, like, 25 k Yeah, Dude, exactly. fuck that. Caleb, next time you run away from home, Come to the trap in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah dude. Smoke weed. Fucking <laughs> like, we get love lit. Candy, Munchies. Dude. Eat candy. Love candy dude. Got so be many treats, rude. yo. Got so many rude. treats. Yo, Caleb, all the time. We're going to teach you swears you've never heard of. <laughs> We're going to give you so many awesome swears that when you go back to your folks and you unleash them, their faces are going to melt like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Will, like M&M's, not in your yeah. hands, Will, in your mouth. Will, who is your new dad, <laughs> he worked in publishing, so he knows like just... Every bad word. Yes. More than your bitch ass biological father ever did. <laughs> Matt, who's your uncle now, he's gonna teach you like how the beer, all that shit. I'm you've never had an older brother. I'm your older brother now. I'm gonna teach you sports and misogyny fist and fist fighting and racism. You're gonna be racist. Uh Katie, it's gonna be your aunt. Yeah, she's gonna totally. teach you yeah, she's gonna teach you about like the best treats. Your dad probably doesn't give you those Hanukkah golden yeah. coins. Katie will. Brendan. Yeah. Brendan is your cousin. Brendan's gonna like he's gonna show you Lincoln Park, <laughs> fucking corn, all the cool bands. <laughs> uh, what's the first rule of uh, Jewish Fight Club? Oh, yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, nineteen ninety nine per month, <laughs> starting yeah, exactly, rate. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, tell your friends about it. Tell everybody about Jewish Fight Club. What's the difference between a Jewish mother and an Italian mother? What? An Italian mother says, "Eat your breakfast, or I'm, I'm going to kill you." The Jewish mother says, "Eat your breakfast, I'm going to kill myself." <laughs> uh, that oh, I think we'll jokes. put a bow on the most anti-Semitic show we've ever By done. Far, yeah, proud uh, very proud, very proud of us this episode, but. Uh, Again, the Caleb Jacoby saga continues. So, so fucking good. Oh, dude. my God. So good. Holy shit. <sighs> Katie Halper. Oh, can I say I have a Patreon for the Katie Halper show? Absolutely. Ooh. It's, it's- Patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. We Great will, gems. We will link to that yeah. um, in and the I'm, show info and on the Chapo account. And I'm Katie Helps on Twitter. Letter K, letter T, H A L P S. Everybody follow if you are not doing already. Katie, see you at the wedding? Yes. See you at the birth of our illegitimate child? The birth of our nation. <laughs> <laughs> next year in Jerusalem. Exactly. <laughs> Till next time, guys. Bye. Peace. Thank Peace. you. Bye. Bye bye. Right here to fly, and right now I might just rob me a nigga, rob me a wild 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 nigga. Look, the kids get butchered. Who's got a wet towel? Come here, you butterball.